Mike, we get closer to 70. Episode 69 of Diamond Dreams Miami up and in. We are here. We're back. Dude, it's uh the other day somebody somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, so um you guys are doing really good with the podcast. How many episodes is it? I'm like, we're getting near 70. And that memory on Facebook popped up when we had seven. That was with uh Steve Suarez. Consistency is king. Yes. Amando, when when we discussed the idea of the podcast, your first thing was, I'm in, but we have to be consistent. Yep. And we've been consistent. You know, I think we've missed maybe one week here, one week there with the yeah, holidays. The schedule holidays, got crazy. Family, you know. But then there's weeks where we've thrown two down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I think that we're episode 69 today. World Series type of guest. Yeah, man. This is you a, know what I mean? It's a big one. Special, <laughs> special, special, special. And, and yeah, you know, going back to that, Mike, you know, I've, I've been part of a lot of, a lot of you know, uh, podcasts and videos and all that in the past, and consistency is key. I had a boxing one that I did for, <clears throat> for a good three years, but the minute the guy that would shoot the video, my, my boy Alex, got a job with NFL Network and left to L.A., you know, a lot of people didn't want to do the same thing for us, you know, for for a meal because we do it at a restaurant. I'm like, hey, you know, so how much you guys pay? I'm like, we don't pay anything. You get to eat. But you get to eat. And a lot of, you know, so the consistency died down. And then we tried a boxing podcast as well. And, in, you know, one week one guy wasn't available and the other. And, you know, it just becomes tough. But you get used to hearing us every week, going to Instagram, seeing our, our posts. That's the way you build an audience. So Absolutely. And we've we, been consistent. And, and again, thank you to all the followers, right? And all the listeners Absolutely. and everybody who kind of reaches out and has ideas. And How many years have you guys been doing this now? Uh, a year. We just celebrated a year, a year and change. A year and, and a little bit. Yes. And, you know, we, we heard, a, yep. we heard a, a third voice there. And, Mike, I'm going to let you introduce them. You, you, go, you guys go way back. We go way back. So a uh, very special guest here. We have Sean Riggins here. Thanks for from the, uh, He played three years in the big leagues with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Was in the 2008 World Series, I believe. Yes, sir. I met um, Sean over at FIU. Um, I want to say I was maybe a junior. And I want to say he came in as a invite walk-on, a freshman. Good. And I believe you got redshirted that first year. Was I correct on there that? And then you went to a junior college. There you go. Had a great year. Got some money thrown in his <laughs> face. I did. And then he had hit 345, I think, your first year in the minor leagues. And you're good, Mike. We're good. We, good. we know it. We keep up. You're good. You're good. <laughs> and, and here he is, man. So, Sean Riggins, thank you for being here with us today, man. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. And I always like, you know, when we have guests, uh, whether, you know, it's – it's a guy that played high school baseball down here or, or made it to the majors, right? I, I like I like to to start with the beginning of your baseball journey because, you know, Mike has uh, an awesome academy, Diamond Dreams Miami. Uh, my son plays 6U right now. And it's always interesting to me, you know, even even my story of when I, when I played, I played through high school and then coached. Um, when, you know, when you began, when did you fall in love with the game? How was that, th those first few years of, of Sean Riggins' baseball career? So, you know, I, I grew up here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I grew up playing at PLO, Pembroke Lakes Optimist. 
you know, when I, when I was playing, we didn't have all the travel stuff. You know, it was it was rec league, but that's where all the you know, all the players were at one local park Correct. right here. And um, you know, I I started playing t-ball at a young age. You know, my dad and my mom they they got me going into it. Uh, I enjoyed it, and you know, everything just built from there. You know, we started to form friendships, <clears throat> and one thing led to the next. And you know, I I really was never that guy. You know what I mean? I was never the best player on my team growing up. I just had a good time playing baseball, and it was something that me and my dad and my family really, really enjoyed. And it took us a lot of places when we were younger. Um, you know, we did a bunch of cool trips over at PLO. We went to Dominican Republic, you know, Mexico, and just my love for the game built from there. Oh, that, that that's awesome, man. And you know, and and I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, because a lot of a lot of parent a lot of parents and and Mike knows this. You know, they're like, oh, you know, they they get all they get all bent out of shape at a you know when their kids are at an early age because they they may not be the guy and all that, dude. Th- right. There's there's guys that I know like you know like David Espinosa didn't start playing organized ball till he was what like nine years yeah. old. So yeah. you know you you can you can you know be you know second third fourth best fifth best not even play till a later age and still. Still make it lo- you know a long way. You can. A lot of the guys too that you see, at least that I see, that end up falling off too, are a lot of the kids at a younger age that you know they have unbelievable talent. Most of the time, they're a little bit bigger than everybody else at a younger age, starting to develop a little bit earlier. And then when once the competition kind of levels off, then you see a very very big drop off with guys. And then ultimately the 10th grade year, I always think that the 10th grade year is the biggest year. And the reason why is because girls come into the picture. Now you and your friends start driving. Baseball kind of goes to the back. Distractions. Distractions big time. And, you know, the parents, the dads and the the players, they're, they're butting heads all the time. You get through that 10th grade year. To me, the focus, you know, you kind of narrow your focus a little bit more, and then you see the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully for some college ball, and then wherever it takes you from there. It's funny you mentioned before, um, sorry to cut you off, Mike, uh, 10th grade year, and, and I I think of it, I mean, I, I didn't have much of a growth spurt. <laughs> hey, we're still I'm waiting. Still, we're still I'm waiting still five him. foot four. Maybe, maybe now that I'm in my 40s, I'll, I'll start growing. Right. But, um, you know, I saw a lot of kids from ninth grade, you know, you may, hey, you know, see you next Next year, they come back and they grew like five, six inches. Yeah, you know, yeah. all of a sudden they put some muscle. It's mm-hmm. it, it's crazy. But like you know, you mentioned that tenth grade year, a lot happens from ninth to tenth. It does. It does. That 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 to me, like I said, that's the deciding factor. And and to me, the reason why too is you know the guys want you still want to have fun, but some guys are able to delegate time. Hey, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to get my baseball, my school stuff done first. Hey, I'm going to get to the party. I might be there five minutes late. Right, right. And other guys, they just they push out the baseball and, you know, they're, right. they're full party okay. mode. You mentioned a couple of things there, and, and I want you to hammer this, you know, um, the fun. You're like, oh, you had fun, and you just said, you know, you were never the guy, but that your dad, you know, you guys had a good time with the game. I did. One of the things that I remember distinctly about you was that. Yes. Like, you were right. At that moment at FIU, you were not the guy, right? Jeff was in front of you. They registered you. You had the best arm we had ever seen, right? And we knew there was something there because you're an extremely defensive catcher, but you had the personality. And but but dude, I want you to explain the difference because there's a lot of parents out there that don't know what the fun we're talking about is. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between having the fun. And then keeping it loose, which is, yeah. I think, what you were excellent at. Yes. And, and, and Sean, let's be honest, 
that helped you get to the big leagues. Without a doubt. Um, I, and I talk about it all the time. Um, I actually did a post not long ago talking about when I first came in to meet Danny Price. And I didn't have any offers and zero college offers. I didn't get a single hit in high school. Um, but I walked into the office. The lady's name was Mara mm-hmm. that, that worked there. And I came in and I told her I had a, a meeting with Danny Price. And the lady looked at me like I was crazy. And that's really how everything came about there. Um, if it's all baseball all the time, to me, you're, you're setting yourself up for a gigantic downfall. You still have to be a person. You know, your personality is super important. Um, one thing Joe Madden always told me is like, man, you always have a smile on your face. And I'm like, at the end of the day, look at what we're doing. You know, <laughs> look at what we're doing. We have all these fans coming out here to watch us, people yelling, screaming your name. You know, it, it to me, it's harder to not have fun, it's, you know. And at the end of the day, it is a game. And if you take it too serious, you're, you're going to work your way out because it, it's all about failure. You know, you have to learn how to deal with these failures. And this is going to help you in life as well. You know, but I always kept it light. And to me, the, the number one thing that helped me do that, though, was sitting on the bench. I sat on the bench year after year after year. And I'm going to tell you, if I'm sure my high school coach might, might catch a glimpse of this. He wanted to kill me every game <laughs> because I was in the dugout, you know, uh, talking crap with the other team, talking crap with my guys, just keeping it light yeah. and, keep, and keeping it fun. And that ultimately is, is really what Listen, I, I've had little glimpses of things that I remember. And I've told you, Armando, like, yeah, I remember certain glimpses. I remember this guy calling me Quintana all the time, <laughs> telling me something about my hair, or coming back and saying, well, you hit a bomb yesterday, bro. <laughs> like, like, this was the guy. Like, he was a good dude, you know? Like, when FIU lost him, I felt like, Man, this sucks because there's so much value on this type of guy. You know what I mean? And let me tell you something that we have in common. We're both walk-ons at FIU. We are. We, we both are. went to show our face at the co- at the coach's office. We didn't send. We didn't call. No. But we we went and we knocked on the door. And I didn't know you did that I until did. right now. I did. You knocked on the door. You showed your face, yeah. and that's how the beginning of the relationship started. That was the beginning of how he made the team and I made the team because that coach walks away saying, "Well, this is different." It is. It's different. And let me tell you a quick story about Danny Price, too. When I went and I, when I knocked on Danny Price's door, okay, and he told me, hey, Thursday, be at, uh, be at the field. We're going to do you a quick little workout, okay? I had had a little bit of an inside because my sister worked at FIU. So my sister, like, ran into him in one of the buildings. was like, oh, my son, my brother, he's going to play. Is he lefty? Oh, he's lefty. Have him come by. I went, knock, knock, knock. I go, right? When I, after the BP, Danny Price came to me. And he goes, I ain't going to promise you shit, boy, <laughs> but go get yourself a locker. Right. You know? Right. And then to keep me, he had to redshirt um, the second baseman tr- um, from here, too. Todd. 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 Todd he had to yes. register a couple other guys, uh, register a couple other guys. But there's value in that, in the creating that relationship and showing your face, you know? I like that you did that, man. Talk. I had no idea that you did that. It's no, I did. Time. I did. And you, you know what? To me, what really put me on the map when we were when – because I had him show me around the facility. We got on his golf cart, and I forget what it was, but there was something, there was like a sticker or something that he had on the golf cart with North Carolina on it. And so we got talking about Carolina. I guess him and his family or somebody was from there. My dad's from Carolina, and then we started talking about fishing. And I don't think we talked about baseball for more (laughs) than a minute or two. 
And this is super important for these people that are listening to this. When you guys are talking to these coaches, college coaches, scouts, you have to show them the type of person you are. You know what I mean? That more than likely they already know what you can do baseball-wise. Show them the person you are because a scholarship to me, remember, and especially nowadays, they're they're handing you, you know, 250 grand, 500 grand. They want to see the person that you are and is are you a guy that's going to fit into their system? And it's that simple. You know, and FIU was the first place that gave me an opportunity. And it, I know that sounds funny because you think, man, it's a big Division One school like that. But I didn't have any other opportunities. None. I, I wrote a letter to Campbell University, which is in Carolina, um, and they were the only people to get back to me. It wasn't going to work out over there. And that's when, you know, I talked to Mark Calvey and I ended up going down to FIU, which was the best move that I ever made. Mark Calvey's the best, man. He is. He's still doing it. You know, it, he's man. still doing it over at USA. He, you know, he's, he's a guy that, that, that just like he stood up for you, stood up for me a lot. Right. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I kind of felt like the whole staff that we had there, like he was kind of the one that was with it. Yeah, no. It, you know it, what I mean? Yeah. Like he was the he, guy. He ran. You know? yeah, to me, he ran the show with the with yeah. the pitching, with the catching. Yeah. Um, brought everybody together yeah. too. Yeah. He brought everybody together, and he's still like you said, you know, bunch of World Series, um, yeah, championships with great. the Gamecocks. Yeah. Yep. You know, great, 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 great story. No, and for the people listening, you know, there there's different ways to make it to 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 the pros. You got Mike who played minor league ball with the Indians and Phillies. Sean Riggins made it to the big leagues, played in a yep, World Series. Yep. You guys were both walk-ons. Yeah. Like, how how cool is that? You know, because a lot of people think like, oh, you know, you're showcasing this and this. You don't get the call. You don't get a, uh, a scholarship right away. You don't get drafted. That's it. My life's over. I'm never going to make it. No. Dude, no. Yeah. Like, you work hard. You make the right moves. You guys both did it the right way, and you know you you went, you you hustled for it, you showed that you guys belonged, and to me that's an inspiration to everybody watching, listening to us, and you know with kids that because we we have them from Sean from very little, right, two two years old, yep. all so the way through. I mean, with, with Mike through yep. eleven, plus every kid that played at DD that their parents listened to us that are yep. you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Right. This is gr this is great. This is great. Oh, no, absolutely, no doubt about it. There's so many different paths too, and, and I always so now now I work in the fire department, and um, a lot of the times we get people in the back of the trucks, or we go on calls, and I always like to hear people's story, you know, because everybody's story is different, and there you can learn from everybody, you know. Um, I always tell everybody that my story is definitely not one you're going to hear, you, you know, somebody not playing in high school. And you tell them that you made it to the big leagues, they look at you like you're crazy, you know, but that just wasn't my time. And people always ask me, oh, was it the coach? There was a, there was a kid in front of me who was a real good player, and, you know, and this is real life. There's teams that you're going to be on where somebody else is going to be a real good player. And eventually, hear me out, everybody, you are going to have to beat somebody out who is a good player. And my time, that wasn't my time then at St. Thomas, you know. And at St. Thomas, I sat and I watched a lot of ball, but I feel like that is where I developed all my mental toughness. Do you feel also, and I'm going to transition down to the Little League Baseball thing, that the way that these, a lot of the, at least in my experiences, and we haven't talked about this, but there's so much jumping around on kids from team to team to team to team. Like what happened to 
Let's stick with the same homies. Hey, we had a bad season, guys. Let's get to work. You stick with the same coach because there's so much value in that. You know, like I, I know players that are seven years old and they've already had four different coaches. And the thing is that they start with me, the most experienced one, the one that did it the longest, right, right, right. the one that's got the most structured right. system. I have gone. my things, right. but I got my thing. And then after me, gone. It starts getting, it's like, okay, okay, that guy did nothing. Okay, that guy's a plumber. Okay, and then that's who you're comparing me to? Like, what, what, why? Yeah. Well, is it a win now? Is it like it, a gimme now society? Like, it is. It is. Like, it is, Mike. <laughs> when I got to Mahoning Valley Scrappers, after going to the Super Regional with FIU, we had a monstrous year. Mm -hmm. I went to the Mahoning Valley Scrappers for short season A-ball. We went 15 and 45. Right, right. I'm the same guy. You know what I wanted to do? I couldn't wait to get back to spring training with my homies right. and get back to work. Yeah. No, it, What's it, changed? No, uh, Mikey, it's, it's everybody wants that instant satisfaction. You know what I mean? It's all about, you know, today. And I get it. You know, it's a short window of time. But nobody buys in. Nobody buys in. And you see it. It starts with the training. You come in. We work on hitting for a couple weeks. Maybe the kid isn't doing so well. You know, maybe he's in a little bit of slump. The parents bring him somewhere else to go and hit. Now he gets a whole different set of things that, that are probably have a ton of value. And a lot of people end up talking about, they talk bad about the coaches. They talk, it's not about that. If, to me, if a system, anything works for one kid, well, obviously that system works. But too many people jump around. They don't buy into it. In professional baseball, and I tell people this all the time, the coaches, the hitting coaches, the instructors don't talk to you until you get about 100 at-bats. Nothing. Because what if you go in there and you're tearing the cover off the ball? How much do they need to adjust? Or you come in there vice versa and you're, you're struggling a little bit. Hey, now let's sit down. We got 100 at-bats to look at. But nowadays, you see kids ending up the season, they have 30 at-bats, 40 at-bats. A lot of kids in the summer – you know, 40 at-bats, oh, we didn't like the coach. Your, your, your batting average is 150, you know? Yeah. You got opportunity. But they see they see these teams and these organizations that have that one real good team, and they think that that's them. And, it's not you. And, and all that does okay. is cause confusion. Without a doubt. Sean, we're really good in T-ball. We're really good in 6U. We're really good in 7U. We're terrible in 8U. We're terrible in 9U. We're terrible in 10U. We're good at 11U. Right. You know okay. what I'm saying? You yeah. just got to ride the wave. You like do. it's just buy in. But why are those groups terrible? Because the players have never stuck. Those days divisions have never stuck. Mm -hmm. we we're just talking about on the way here. We were talking about like players that have bounced around, and then at the end we said, "Should just stay at DD." Like that's where we're at. You know what I'm saying? And then and then people want to confuse the no no consistency is king. Absolutely, consistency is king. You got to hit. You got to train. You got to do your thing. But there's got to be some consistency in what's being put into your brain because my 11U team, I'm blessed because five or six of them, they've been with me since they've been three, four years old. If those kids go play for somebody else, which they're going to have to in a year, okay, I hope I know the coach so I can talk to them because it's nine years of, hey, man, you know, right. this, this, is a, guy. this is our guy. I know the guy. Right. Where if he's bouncing around everywhere, right. like, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to – and and to me, now taking it back up to the college situation, 
This is the disaster with these NIL deals and these transfer portals. And there's no because when we played, you were still part of the draft and follow. Draft and follow, right? That's which which got eliminated. Yes. But when we were in FIU, like you couldn't leave to your junior year, right? right? And then there was rules where if you transferred out, you had to sit, just like in high school. Oh, mm -hmm. you were at Braddock. You want to go over there? Sit. Oh, well, guess what? You got to sit a year. Right. So then and I can understand Nick Saban's frustration with the football situation. Like, how are we going to how are we going to ingrain anything of what I believe in when that guy's going to leave because he's getting one hundred fifty thousand dollars more on the West Coast? Right. Yep. So what what we're creating a, a selfish, yes. a one sided baseball team where everybody's going to be about themselves and eventually nobody's going to give a shit about the team. Right. Yep. No, they don't. They don't. The parents and it's starting and it's starting now in Little League and you see it. Yes. You're, you're right. So much of this, too, for the youth guys, it falls on the parents, too, because the parents are making majority of the decisions. Some parents let the kids decide have a, you know decide what they want to do. But a lot of these parents, and I'm sorry if this offends anybody, it's they just never played at a higher level. So some of their decision making, the process of their, you know, with their decisions is off. And they're trying to take everything that they're getting around them and implementing it for their kid when that's not always the best. Ride it out. Like I said, buy into something. The thing is, Sean, you're no matter what team you go to, no matter what you're going to be a part of, you're not going to escape the errors. No. You're not going to escape the strikeout looking with a runner on third. Right. You're not going to escape those things. You know what I'm saying? So the whole thing of, oh, we're looking for something better, bro, better is you get better. Get your teammates better. <laughs> Get your right. homies better. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. But it's just, you know, to me, I just see like a real big slippage here with camaraderie, teamwork, friendship, respect. And I'm seeing a lot more of selfishness, one-sided, all about me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nope. And I'm seeing it at all the levels because of these new rules. You put back into place in high school that you can't transfer. You got to sit out of the year, and you're going to end that nonsense right now. Oh, yep. without a doubt. I think too. Like um, I listened to Five Sixty in the morning with Joe Rose and all these guys, <laughs> and um, Omar came up with uh, a great thing talking about, you know, if with the guys playing and that are getting the NIL money, if you sit out X amount of games, you don't get paid. Because, you know, it's like work. You know, you're, you're taking compensation for, for playing. So if you, if you don't play, you sit out, well, you don't get paid. And I think that that would, would light a fire under some more people. And you're seeing that now, too, in the NBA with, with guys <coughs> sitting out, you know, and they just, they just put the rule in place. And that, to me, that's sad. you got to put a rule in place yeah. to force guys yeah. to play. Look, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's terrible. Yeah. When, I, when I got to high school, Okay, I already knew that my freshman and sophomore year, I was playing JV. Okay, and if I, if you were a good sophomore, I remember at the end, maybe they'd hey, yeah. come up for the last five or six games, right? At FIU, I remember being a freshman. I got sixty at bats off the bench. That was the opportunity. My sophomore year, I got sixty-one at bats off the bench. That was the opportunity. But now, if your son is not a starter as a freshman in high school, I'm going to the next place. If my son's not going to start his first year freshman in college, I'm going to the next place. You know what that does? <clears throat> that kid's not going to make it to the big leagues. That kid's going gonna to have no idea about how to compete. You know what my dad told me? Do better. Yeah, I think you're better than the guy in front of you, but the coach doesn't. 
He's like, you got to, like, get, get after it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. Like, the coach is making a decision. Those guys are older. You know, you just got to sit it out, bro. And look, on the bench, I eat with you, the seeds, keeping it loose. And that's and and and, and that develops a, a character, right, where it's going to create a winning mentality, whether it's through baseball, business, and life. You know that's, what I mean? That reminds me of a story. And we're here in Weston. My my sister lives in, in Weston. Her, her husband, Jose, uh, he's he's an engineer. He's he well, he's in another company now because his original company moved to Connecticut. He was with Pratt and Whitney, and when he uh, when he got out of UM, went to his interview with Pratt and Whitney. <clears throat> he interviewed with with the main guy, and he said that you know he talked to him and he goes, "Hey, listen, Jose, you know, in talking to you now, I I like you. Seemed like a great guy." He goes. I don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna make it in at Pratt and Whitney. If you're gonna you're gonna do well here, you know. But I'm gonna give you a shot. But I don't know. I don't know. There's some things I see, but I don't know if you. But we're gonna give you a job. And he said that he was like, yeah, like, man, like what, what did you just tell me? He said that he got home and he told his dad, "No, dad, you know what." Screw this. I'm not going to work for this guy. He told me this and this. And he goes, no, you're going to take the job mm -hmm. and you're going to prove to him every day, not only that you belong there, but that you're going to be the best damn employee that he's ever had. And he said when, you know, 20 years passed, when he moved over to, um, or it was like 15 years or whatever, to Connecticut, he said the boss told him, hey, I still remember me talking to you and I told you this and you... You came the next day and you go, hey, I'm taking the job and I'm going to prove to you that I'm going right. to. And he goes, I want you to come with me to Connecticut. I want you to come with me. You're my guy. Resilience. And, you know, he stayed because, you know, my sister, the girls and stuff, they, you know, they have home base here. But, uh, but you know, that's that's a, a life lesson. It's not only in baseball. It's, it's in Every, life. It's everything's in, competitive, in guys. And, and a everything's bunch of competitive. Everything's competitive. For you to get into the fire department, you had to compete with a million guys. The like fire department's not going to not take the guy who's in less shape. They're going to take the guy who's in better shape. They're going to take the guy who gets the better times. You know how many people told me you know? when, when, I, when I left TV, I, lo I left television because, you know, after winning five Emmys, after working 16 years in television, I left. I retired from from TV. Why? Because I had a you know a one one year old son, and I wanted to spend more time with him. And I go, I want to go to the baseball games, so I started doing real estate. You know, many people told me, oh, you know, there's forty thousand realtors in Miami. Right. What's gonna set you apart? You know, you know, how you could go a whole year without making a dime. And I said, no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be one of the top guys. I'm I'm gonna do well. I'm going to make it happen. I'm not those 40,000 realtors. Right. I'm, I'm me. I, I know the way I work and I've done very, very well for myself. You know, it's, uh, it's just what you, what you do into it. I, I could have said, oh, well, you know, that sucks. Well, I'm going to do something else or I'm going to stay in TV. Right. No, like. Stuck to it. You, you stick to, to it. it. Grind yeah. it out, man. You grind it out. Yeah, you have to. You know, you grind. We used to grind it out. Sean was taking it hard. Tell me about that weight room. We used to hit that weight room. Yeah, hard, you know, man. and that's funny that you bring that up because so many of the kids, now they talk to me, 
you know, Riggs, what did you do when you were playing? Lifted heavy as fuck. That, <laughs> that, but I we him, squatted to our hips, couldn't couldn't with, hold anymore. With, 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 big, with Big Lou, with Big Lou, I remember Lou, man. That, that was one. Of, that was the first trainer that I ever had. Oh my god! First time I really one legged squats oh, fucking yeah, destroyed he, us. Yeah, he he was a beast, and, and you know, it, it was the consistency of that though. But what I tell these kids, I said, no matter what team you play on, and you'll see it, you have a group of three or four kids that stay after. You know, and you move up, and it's still the same. Thing. And and those are the guys, maybe not in baseball, but in life that are going to be successful. Yeah. And not everybody wants it as bad as the next guy. That's why, to me, you have to surround yourself with people that are doing things. And I know this is tough for certain people to swallow, but I just don't want to be around a group of average people. I, I just don't. And and I know that's that's harsh and I get it but when you're trying to do something majority of the people want to bring you down they don't want to see you do it so they can say hey you know what I told you that that Mike guy wasn't going to do it and look at him now and to me once you eliminate that group you eliminate that group your circle becomes much smaller but there is strength in those numbers that you have there and that's the rave the wave that you need to ride you know, you, you struck such a <clears throat> excuse me, such a chord with me right now because, <clears throat> and and I might I might get a little little like teary eyed today. Seven years since my my dad passed away, right. And I was telling it was it's funny you mentioned this. Like I, I mentioned this to someone yesterday. He used to tell me, hang out with people who are like you, or better, right. not people that are gonna bring you down. And, you know, when you're younger, you don't really, like, think about that because, you know, like like you said, you're in, into the party, into the bullshit, and, you know, you hang around with a with a lot of people that, you know, that, that may, you know, oh, you know, hey, you know, you're not, you're not good enough, man. What are you doing? You know, hey, you know, Sean, you're, you're writing, you're writing the bench, you know, fuck baseball. Like, let's, let's go party, you know, and, and I'm sure you heard that, and I'm sure you heard that too, Mike, throughout your life, you know, and, and, and no, like, my dad was like, no, you, those friends that you have that are no those and as you get older i realize that even more and i was talking funny you mentioned that i was talking about it with someone yesterday i mentioned the thing about my dad and the guy was telling me he's like dude you know how many people were keeping me down like i was talking about his marriage right. he said people were like oh you got you got to leave that woman you got to leave that you know and, and he was like no you know i'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick through it you know, and now he's been married 20 right. some years, has three leave, daughters. You need to leave those people. He, he yeah, said he you left, need to leave wife. those people. Yeah, he said exactly. he, left, <laughs> he left those friends and he, and, and he said the exact same thing that you said. Because a lot of people don't want to hear it because, oh, no, but that, that's, my, that's my guy. That's my this. That's my that. Right. You know, we, dude, life is short. It is. Yeah. And, and you, don't, you don't have time for, for people to be bringing you down mm. to tell you like, hey, Mike Armando, that the podcast you guys are doing, nobody's gonna listen to yeah, that shit. Yeah, no, yeah. no, a lot of people are gonna yeah. listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and they say that because they're they're not gonna do it. Yeah, you know they're not gonna, gonna, do, gonna do it. That's like telling somebody a, a great idea. You could tell ninety nine point nine percent of people the best idea on the planet. It doesn't matter. They're not gonna go they're implement not, that. They're, they're not, not. They're not gonna make that happen. Of course not. not. You know, they're not. How do, how you know how the little league parents deal with that? The negativity and the other. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and Armando knows how I feel about this. I've said this so many times. Because before anything, Armando's my friend. That's number one. Right. But the biggest team killers, WhatsApp, the WhatsApp, the WhatsApp chats, bro. Tell me, yeah. 
tell me, bro. Tell me your take. Give me, give me your take. Give me your take. Why, why is it? Why is it? And listen, I forbid me or my wife to say a comment on anything. Okay, like it's not happening. Okay. I've called some people out on these things. Parents send me my screenshot, and then I contact the parent and say, "What's up? Like, but why? Why? What's up with the not talking to the guy in person?" When you have an issue with him, what's up with the, let me talk to six parents before I approach the coach, and now it's a cancer. What, 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 give, give, me, give me your love on that, bro, because I know you're going to hit it. Yeah, so with, with that, I coached a team, a 12U team, a couple years ago, and, you know, we, we had a good time. Um, it was a team that we, we, team wasn't so good. We put a, added a couple pieces, got rid of some people. And, you know, the team started to play well. But ultimately, I I feel that the parents do that just because strength in numbers, you know. Right. And they don't want to just come to you and talk to you about it. And here's the reason why. Because you're going to tell them the truth. You're going to tell them the truth. And that is the part that kills people. They don't want the truth. Most people just want to fluff it up, dress it up make you the coach or whoever your coach is out to be the villain, and now we're against you when that's not how this is. And they're on another team in the next season. Right, <laughs> exactly. And th- exactly, there you go. And, and, and now they're on the, the, uh, a different team next year and moving forward probably on another team. Correct. And that, to me, is the number one thing. Why wouldn't you come to somebody with the amount of experience that you have, but so you go to another parent who you know – more than likely, the kid might not be playing too well. You, you look for the weaker people. Correct. With that. You look for the like people. Right. That similar stuff is happening to them and their kid. They're not playing well. They're not <coughs> playing at a higher level. Maybe they're not getting, you know, the looks that they should or that they feel that they should. And now you come along and tell them, hey, listen, the swing's not where we feel it should be. You need to be putting in a little bit more work. The arm needs to get a little better. And or whatever, whatever that encompasses, and they don't like the truth. And to me, this is ultimately what's happening. And I can hide back behind this chat, talk all this smack, and, you know, I know that I'm going to be leaving at the end of the year anyway. And there's there, there's parents, and, I'm, and I know they're out there, that you're two weeks into the season, and they already know that they're leaving. That's, that's, and so that's, that's yeah. the vibe, but, that, but that's the vibe. That's the vibe that they bring to the team, and that that is a cancer. You know, Nick Saban said it great. You know, with the guys, it was something like along the lines of, uh, "It's not the guys." Uh, or I start off the year with X amount of guys on the bus. I got to figure out who's with me and who's not, and get the other guys off. And, and he's right. You know, if you're trying to go somewhere and, and do something in athletics in life. You got to get the people off that are your distractions and pulling you down. And yeah, and no matter and no matter how good the talent is that leaves, right? You're always going to be better because better isn't, in my opinion. I've had teams that are like eight and eight, and I've felt like we're World Series champs. You right. know what I'm saying? Yep. So better, you know. good. It's subjective. It's subjective. You know, you know? Right. it's it's not Mar- just about play. Right. You know, there's so many other things that. That should go into the factor than just the win and the loss. And don't get me wrong, I want to win every game. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Of course. But I also understand that baseball is hard. And I also understand that there's a group of kids in the other dugout that were coached by a different coach, that were told different things, that want to come out and want to punch you in the face. Right. Right. So I understand all that. 
what I've learned, and again, when I started coaching Little League, my first two and a half to four years were very difficult, Sean, Amando, because coming down from the pro thing, you kind of have to really taper it down. Tone it down a little you have bit, to, right. You have to tone it down yeah. real quick. You know what I mean? Um, and it took a while. It takes a while. And what I learned was that you have to have in your scope wiggle room man you do you got to have a ton of wiggle room like like when i have teams that are seven and oh i hate it i hope they go i hope that i want i'd rather be five and two so the experience a little bit not only the experience but just the nonsense that comes with the fake bullshit of being undefeated and and it's so stupid like my theory is we're gonna have a good we're gonna put together a good team Mm -hmm. right we're gonna start the season normal and then we're gonna pick up the pace middle end of the season we're gonna come out like lions in the playoffs right and that's where our success is for sure that's the way i do it you know what i'm saying i don't come out of like a lion and oh man right you know, yeah, you'll be all right. I got my system. Continue, you know what I'm saying? Continue to growth. But I just, I feel like there's no wiggle room. So if a parent, you're four and four, no, 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 no. How do we lose to that team? Well, they, they, played, they played better than you today. That shortstop. Right. Did a good job. Played a badass team. Right. You know, w- about four years ago, COVID time, three years ago, I had a 7U team. I'm sorry, a 6U team. I was very good. Very good. OTB team now. And we happened to play a Blue Devils team which is not very good. But guess what? They have Starling Marte's kid at short at that time. And that day in the six innings, out of 18 hitters, 18 outs, we hit about 14 ground balls to that kid. So what happens? You lose. You lose. That's baseball. That's baseball. You don't go into the game knowing you're going to win or not. You know, like, And every game for me, Sean, takes his own personality. You leave with your kid. You get in the car. Oh, wow, that game was this. The umpire was this. Oh, the coach this. You could do this better. You could do this better. Boom, boom, boom. But it's not. Every game has its own personality. The kids have different personalities every game. Like you know, you that, know what uh, I mean? You, you saying that, Mike, reminds me of when, when I played in high school. My my freshman year, <clears throat> two other games that really stick out to me. We were we were pretty good. I, play, I played at LaSalle. Went to regionals that year. But we, we played two teams, two very different teams. We played Westminster. Monsters. I remember oh, getting <laughs> getting out of the bus and walking to the field. We're with our bags. They have music playing. I mean, it, I thought we were playing a college team. Who was on that team? Manny Crespo. <laughs> Pee Wee Lopez. Yeah. Jason Moore. Yeah. Uh, Jose Nicholas. Stop. Manny Crespo was, yeah. was, was, I think, probably coming off the bench. <laughs> uh, Brad Dupree. I mean. Th- Stacked. Th- what th- year were you in high school? Uh, graduated in 98. Okay, me too. Yeah, like so J- we, yeah, we played, Gutierrez, we played those Gutierrez, guys. Jimmy yeah. Gutierrez, I think yes. his name was. So they, they were stacked upon stacked upon stacked. We got out of the bus. They looked at us. They started laughing. <laughs> and these guys were like <laughs> but they were all, all, all jacked. Yes. I mean, Hoffman had oh, yeah, monster had, yeah. guys on his team. We got our butts kicked 17 to 1. But, you know, we <clears throat> we played. You know, I twisted my ankle that game. You know, I remember Pee Wee getting to second base. And he's like, bro, you're... Because his his brother his brother um, uh, Alvaro Al Lopez, he's he's uh, best friends with my cousin, so he goes, oh bro, hey, you know, 
George says you're talking shit. You're going to beat us. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Pee Wee, bro, look at us, bro. Right, right, I'm yeah. like, I'm standing next to you. I'm like, I weigh 120 pounds, bro. Right. You're like this massive dude. You know, like we're, we're talking shit at That's second awesome. base. So that game, we lose 17-1. We got fed some, some pretty sick medicine a few weeks later. We're playing a game. We're on a little winning streak. I think the school's name was like Sheridan Hills. Kids get there. They're, they're all me. They're all five, two at the time, you know? And we have guys that are pretty. So we're like, I'm going to beat these guys, bro. First inning, we score like six runs. We got it. You know how many runs we scored the rest of the game? Zero. <laughs> Zero, bro. We lost seven so to six. six. <laughs> and I remember leaving that game, like, dude, pissed, like, <clears throat> throwing stuff and telling my dad, like, yeah, dad, are we lose to these guys? I freaking struck out looking like an idiot. You know, my dad tells me, like, dude, like, you guys can get overconfident, man. Each game is different. Just because you yeah. got on a six-game winning streak, yeah. doesn't make you Westminster. Yep. You know, that's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's two though. two games. That the two games I remember the most, and we played district the, championships. We played this and that. Those are the two games. And I he remember. remembers the Pee Wee thing coming up to him that right. you're not going to. Oh yeah, it. never. <laughs> never. Oh, yeah, just to switch up a little bit, I want to talk. Um, let's talk hitting a little bit. Sure. You know, sure. um, what's your take on the way we used to train? <laughs> right which was very basic like we did t-work mm-hmm. we did front toss and we did live period okay that's what we did okay um we tried to hit the middle of the ball we tried to swing down through it <laughs> and we tried to break the ball in half and hit it as far as we could right, right? that's what that's what that's what i did yeah okay that's what we did in the we cage did. right that's so what the mando oh, did, yeah. right okay now What's the nonsense going on now, bro? Talk to yeah. me because I, I can't deal with the, 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 the I understand that the, the barrel is going to drop, Correct. but I can't teach a kid to do that here. Correct. Like, Correct. What, like, isn't like, I think we're creating and we're seeing it. We're creating a ton of strikeouts, a ton of home runs. And I, it's the third time I mentioned it in the podcast. We're losing the two strike approach. It's well, gone. Batting average, so I love A-Rod. You know, A-Rod, he talks about this a lot, and he makes such valid points, and I understand some people might not like him as a human being, but he makes so many valid points. The batting averages, you know, have gone down. Eight this year over 300, by the way, right. in the big leagues. That's and, it. You know, the, the RBIs have, have dropped. Um, Home runs, you know, guys are hitting the ball out of the park. And there's a lot of tremendous players nowadays. I just feel that there's there's systems that are out there right now where a lot of the coaches that are coaching these youth players, they try to grasp on to a particular guy's system and then try to push that system rather than really diving into the swing itself and, and coming up with their own cocktail. So a lot of people are regurgitating, and it's like a story. If I told you right now that I caught a fish that was this big, well, before long, the thing, you know, we, had to hit, we had to hit it with the harpoon and get it into the boat. So things change. And nowadays, if you go to three or four different hitting guys, more than likely you're going to hear three or four different approaches. And to me, that does nothing but – gets you confused in your head because you can't compartment that when you're younger and now you are totally right. lost i'm a big basics guy 
You know, Without it's, it's, it's what I built the business on. It's what I feel is necessary. Okay. Correct. When I gave private lessons, when I got released, when I had the sluggers batting cage and stuff like that, I never deviated from make sure like every swing you had to have your balance. You had to have a strong foundation. Right. You know, you had to make sure your head was down every swing. Like there was six months to a year of basic training of making sure that we understood those fundamentals before we can even do a fucking one hand drill, bro. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like now you go into a hitting instructor, some, nobody should be getting offended, and they're going to go into some high tech drill before you even fucking know the fundamentals. A kid can't take 15 swings. Without, you know what I'm saying? Like I agree. So I feel like speeding up the process too much, too fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, at what age do you feel like kids should start getting real technical with this stuff before we leave the basics, or or once should we never leave? It. Like you know, once they understand the basics, to me, and you you brought up a great point. You have to have the basics. Your balance your load, the timing. So many people like to talk about their timing. Is all, coach, I can't tell you how many kids come in, coach, everything feels good, but my timing's off. Well, you create your timing. And I'll tell you right now, if you asked, you know, 100 kids, what are you trying to do up at the plate? And these are kids that have gone out to other hitting instructors. They sit there and they stare at you with a blank stare. That's not good. To me, that's step one of order of the operations. you got to have a goal. This is what we're trying to do, and now let's go and actually let's go and do it. To me, though, one of the biggest things that has come into play, <clears throat> which can be a pro or a con, is we have all this technology now. All this technology that that shows us, you know, the launch angle. You watch an MLB game on TV, the launch angle, the exit, too much, right? And, and that's what everybody dives into. Dives into, and I myself, I'm guilty too. We have a hit tracks here at the facility. A lot of the kids, they want to hit the ball and they just want the numbers. They really don't care about the feel. Right. They don't care about the feels. They just want to see the numbers. And when you do that, it's like, you know, it, listen, it's, I'm, not, it's not sustainable. Listen, I think those things are real cool yep. and they're and they're technology and they're usable. Right. But I know you keep the feel factor in there with your guys. Yeah, you have to. You're different. You, you know to. what I'm saying? You have to. Um, you know, it's just, it's just to me, I just, I think it's too much too fast. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that, I think that, you know, again, I'm in the little league space, you know, but I feel that the kids' eyes, I really don't know how good or bad they are until they get to their kid pitch, bro. I mean, that's kind of like when, you know. I agree. Um, and hitting is hard. It is. Very it's hard. difficult. You know, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was practice play, game play. Okay. You get a lot old, but in practice, he kills it. And he gets to the game, he can't do anything. You know, my view has always been that those are two totally different lanes. You know, Giancarlo Stanton said, I can only get game reps in the game. Period. I can go to the cage. You can get me a live hitter. You can put the turtle over me. You can get a fake ump. You can get an empty stadium. But I only get game reps in the game. So it's not that easy 
to transition from practice to game because they're kids, right? Um, I find it important from the beginning, and I tell it to the parents, you know, and tonight I have the Little League meeting that the kids that are starting to play t-ball, that now you're creating a separate lane. Now they're going to put on a different uniform. They're going to have a different warm-up. There's going to be a different type of behavior in the dugout. There's going to be so many different things that happen. The pressures of the game, the umpires. So can you explain how it's not that simple, that transition? No. Like it's two totally different, completely different things. To start off, you're, you're getting with the academy two practices a week and one game. So you're already offset. No, no. You're already offset. Right. Then you're going to practice twice more at home, four times practicing one. Yeah, you're going to be better in practice. For sure. Than in the game. You're already offset. Right. So help the parents with that a little bit for me, Sean. So I think stepping back a second, one thing that you said earlier is the key to all this. We know hitting is about consistency, thinking the same things, going out and doing the same things. What happens is nowadays there are – are so many drills out there. And just like you said, when you were playing, you did T-work, front, front toss, live batting practice. Hey, maybe we hit some breaking balls off the yep. machine. Which, Basics. by the way, the hitting off in the machine has been around forever. That's like awesome. People think that nowadays, oh, the hack attack is out. <laughs> that has been going on forever. forever. In Major League Spring Training, you usually have four fields or five fields. You go from each field... Three of the fields have a machine set on it for breaking yep. balls, yep. and then you have live. Yep. But what happens is these young kids, like I was telling you before, they don't buy into three or four drills and now go perfect it. Go perfect it. Don't step. Don't start doing something else until you perfect this and you have a good understanding of it because that's what happens in the games, and that's why you see peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, because you're not – diving into the basics and becoming a good hitter first, you're just jumping all of that and you're going into launch angle, exit velocity. And when you do that, you lose sight of the actual art of hitting. And now you're in a tight, you're in a tough spot. You're you're in a tough spot because you're, you're doing that as a little leaguer. But when those little 13 year olds start pumping that 75, 78 at your chest yeah, you're and your barrels by your waist, you're, you're done. done. You're done. You're done. And it's, and it's right. not going to, it's not going to correlate. It's not going to translate. You're right. You know what I mean? I do. It's, I do. And you see a lot of, and, and I do some posts on this. You see a lot of these very good players and these guys just are not reaching their potential. And I really feel it's just, it's due to what I'm talking about. No consistency with the approach. The mindset is always different. I'm talking to nine different guys about hitting. And let me say something with that. I tell the kids that come and train with us all the time, every one of them, I tell them, go out and get another opinion. I know I don't know it all. I don't. I, I know, too, that for your son or daughter, I might not be able to pass along the best information for them. I'm okay with that. Hold your coaches accountable, parents, and these people that you're paying. Hold them accountable. You know, take a look at their swing on January 1st, 2023. Now let's take a look at it 2024 and, and really dive into it. Hold somebody accountable because I, I feel that when you do that and you keep the core values there with the hitting, you're going to see growth, or at least you should. 
Or, hey, maybe, you know what, maybe we need to be doing something different, which is okay. You know, not everybody is going to be great at this. But give yourself a chance by doing the same things, hearing the same verbiage, talking to the same guys. I just think that that is really where we've gone wrong with the, with the youth. And like I said, you know, everything now has become, you know, the launch angle, the exit velo. And let me tell you, if you're a good hitter and you can hit the ball all over the field, all that other stuff will come along with it. Yeah, two strike approach got to come back. Oh god, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of awesome information here. But Sean, you know, I, I wanted to uh, to move on. You know, before before we start wrapping up, um, you know, your your time in the majors with uh, with Tampa Bay. What's um what's a moment that that sticks out to you? That's like the the moment that you remember the most from your from your time in the big leagues. So. I would say it was when I first got called up in 2006. Um, we were actually in Nor Norfolk um, in AAA. We were playing uh, the Tide there. And um, Kevin Cash, who's actually the manager for the Rays now, he was on the team with me. And, you know, he used to always give me a hard time. And so um, when you're getting called up that day, you're not on the lineup because, you know, they don't want anything to happen to you. Or if you get called up during the game, they take you out of the game. So it was a day for September call-ups. You know, um, some guys were getting – already had gotten called up. So I'm coming into the field, and I'm like, man, my name is on the lineup. I'm like, there's no way. I'm hitting, you know, damn near 300, played a whole bunch of games. I'm like, you know, and, and so it was kind of quiet in there. And I'm like, I'm looking at the handwriting on the, on the, on the lineup there, and I'm like, our manager was Charlie Montoyo. He's the manager for the uh, Blue Jays, and I'm not sure where Charlie's at now, but I'm like, man, that doesn't look like Charlie's handwriting. Well, long story short, Cash was there <laughs> messing, messing with the lineup. So, um, And then, you know, once I caught on to it, you know, I came in and, um, you know, Charlie told me that I was going up to the big leagues. And, it, you know, to me, it was like I, it, everything came full, you know, front and center when that happened. And, um, you know, for how much adversity that I've gone through. And then once I got there, it was day one. Um, Rocco Baldelli was playing left field in the, in, in the first game. And Joe Madden came over to Rocco and, and asked Rocco, you know, if or I think maybe even Rocco came over and told him we were playing the Twins. He's like, hey, man, let, you know, let Riggs hit for me. And, um, you know, I got a hit on my first at bat there to left field. And it was like the, the weight of the world was off my shoulders. You know what I mean? And that, to me, really, that sticks in my mind. You know, my dad was there. My, my wife was there. My sister was there. I think one of my sister's friends. But that's really what, you know, that stuck to me. That and then, you know, the, the day that the, the last out that Aki made against the Red Sox to go to the World Series, like, those are, those are the things that really, really stuck in my head because, man, what a, what a crazy, crazy opportunity. And A lot of people uh... – Got slapped in the face silently when Riggs yeah. got called up to the bigs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people that didn't believe in him for right. whatever reason. How do you right. not keep this guy around right. in high school? <laughs> like, how do you not? This guy This guy right. had an absolute cannon of an arm. Cannon, a cannon, absolute cannon. Like we, we knew it. Hey, we had a, funny, a funny story. Um, so, Rich Hoffman, I went down to one of his camps, um, and I always got along great with Rich, you know? Um Obviously, when I went down to his camps, I was one of the smaller guys and all that stuff, but I was always charismatic. You know, we always had a good time. He's He was real good friends with my high school coach. 
So we're we're playing one day, and uh, I keep hearing Riggins, Riggins, Riggins. So I look back, and we're playing the Yankees, and I see Rich there with my high school coach. And you know, a lot of the guys on my on my Rays team, they all knew the story, you know. So I came in the dugout, and I was telling them, and you know, it's it's just crazy how things work full circle, you know. And so many people are like, oh, did you not like your high school coach? No, I, I always got along good with Paul. I know I drove him nuts. And Paul, you know, if you're watching, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, I'm sure you wanted to kill me 99% <laughs> of the time. But things like that help build who you are going to be down the road, you know. And that was just my path. Like I yeah. told you guys before, yep. it, it wasn't my time at St. Thomas yet. And it's very hard for kids nowadays to continue on when this is their story. If their story is my story, they end up quitting. Yeah. And that's you're not always going to be the player you want to be or the person you want to be in high school. You're not. It might take a little bit more time. Look what happened to me and you. It, it, exactly. You know? And and it's that's the late story. bloomers, you know. Correct. Listen, I I I didn't have hair in my arms when I graduated high school. Right. Right, right. And then oh, I yeah. got to FIU in the super summer, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I got muscles. Right. I got hair under my arms. I, You know, yep. I'm getting it's the gyms true. working. Like, my 60, sorry, I started flying. Right. Like, things just happened, and then I dominated. I, I went out in that fall, and I led the team in the fall. That's how I made the team. And then, dude, the next year, you got people I used to play with coming to Danny Price saying, oh, no, but he used to be my backup. I want to try out. And he's like, no, 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 it's not. That's not, not the way, it's not how it's not the way this way. works anymore. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, Correct. So everybody, you know, blooms at a, at a different time, you know, especially that. in Little League, little kids. Oh, yeah. And one of the things, you know, like what's the youngest you work with? Um, so I have guys that are six. Okay. So comparing to other kids, every kid is their own kid. And you can't rush. You have to be able to maximize your child. Right. Look at your child. Say, hey, my child needs this, this, and that. Right. We're going to work on it until that and that and that gets better. Then we're going to work on this, this, and that. And we're going to build that throughout the years and throughout the years. And then we're going to keep playing baseball. And then keep navigating. we're going to keep navigating right. it. We're going to keep going. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because when you start comparing to other players, you know, doesn't work, man. If it didn't work when we were 18, 19, right. we were adults, yep. adults, big guys, big boys. How's it going to work down there? You had to stick to your grind. And I know and I know your dad was a great supporting cast. He was, was probably telling you, hey, man, keep it going, keep it rolling. I got you, I got you, I got you. Right. Um, but you got you to gotta maximize yourself. Have to. And then once you maximize yourself, you'll fit into and a it, system or a team. Mikey, along, you know? along those lines with maximizing yourself, um, so when I, was at, when I was at FIU and I came back for my second year, for my red shirt uh, freshman year, after the fall, I, I got dominated in the fall. That was like the first baseball, actual baseball that I played that meant anything in, I think, five or six years since before high school. Didn't play high school, went over there, Got a red shirt the first year, came back the second year, and Danny told me, hey, you got a chance to be a starter. Well, I went out there, and I, I wasn't playing like a starter, and, and that was just a fact. So the fall was over. Hey, Riggs, you know, you're a little bit behind. I think that was a nice way to put it. I was a lot behind. Um, the team that we had was a beautiful team, and he said, I, I can guarantee about 50 at-bats. So I told him right then, I said, Danny – 
I know I didn't didn't go well. There's no way I can sit behind these guys though. There's no way I, I can't do that. So what I did was I bet on myself. Yep. And uh, so many people put their their career or everything that they're doing in somebody else's hands. And when you do that, you're to me you're setting yourself up for failure. I bet on myself. I had Indian River and Manatee Community College. I think it's a state college of Florida now. Both of them, I went over there to go do, or I was going to do a workout for both. I went to Indian River. I did the workout there, Coach Mike Eason, and I got back in the car. It was just us. It was over the Christmas break. I got back in the car. It was probably one of the best workouts I ever did in my life, too. Um, but I got back in the car, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I feel in my heart that this is the place that I need to be. And so my dad said, get out of the car. Coach Eason was walking to his Ford Explorer that he parked under this tree under right field. <laughs> and I ran out there and I told him, I said, hey, Coach, I'm not going to the other place. This is where I want to be. And when I did that, to me, that was that was everything for my baseball career. I was at FIU in, in Miami going to Indian River, which is a small little mm -hmm. place in Fort good Pierce. Good baseball. Very, very good baseball. Um, you know, they have that big banner yep. when you're walking up yep. all the professional guys. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, a lot of people would have looked at that and they would have said, wow, what a major downgrade. And to me, I looked at it as complete opposite. Complete upgrade. Right. Exactly. I was going to get the opportunity I needed. That year I finished with 250 at bats. The following year, I came back as a draft and follow. I had 500 at bats in the fall and spring. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and you know, and that that's what I needed. Yeah. But so many people nowadays they look at taking a step back as oh, that's that's negative. No, it's it, that's what you need to do. In both your instances in your college career, when you didn't have a place to go, when you went to FIU, and then you didn't make what you wanted to make at FIU, and you decided to shop around. You did two things to the two coaches. You showed your face. That's it. You got in front of them, right. and you showed their face. Right. You showed your face. You know, you ran to them and said, hey, man, this is where we want to be. Damn, man, people don't realize the value that that has. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. it, it's so different now with, with all this, with, with this online stuff and all these portals and all these uploads, and you pay for this, and they send you a CD, and they this. It's so bad, man. And if you're watching this, if nobody's already told you, but majority of these coaches, when you guys send them stuff, it goes right into the to your email trash. It goes right. You got to call them up. You have to stay current. You got to call them up, text them until they tell you stop. If they don't tell you stop, it's like a salesman. You call back. You, you, you are selling yourself. And, Mike, it... This is something that has to be done. It's not about, like you said, hey, s sending this guy a video. You know, get in front of them. Stay current. Put some pressure on them. You have to have some verbiage with these coaches. One of my favorite things uh, when we do, we do a college showcase over in Fort Myers, and I always ask the kids, I'm like, did you go and talk to that coach and ask them if there's any availability? Like nothing that to me is the best way to break the ice. Yeah. Hey coach, how you doing? I got a little bit of interest in your school for 2025. You guys got an outfield. How are you guys on outfielders? Hey Mike, how you doing? You know, now we're talking because once you establish that relationship, he might not have a spot, but his buddy up the road in South Carolina, Hey, 
He's looking for a guy you fit the bill. But if you don't talk to them, somebody else is going to do it. I, I, go ahead, these, go ahead. Are, these are life lessons. No, these are life lessons. These are life yes. lessons. And, and when I was at FIU, didn't, didn't play baseball there, but I was in school of journalism. And I remember when I, when I started in my classes and stuff, I went to the head of the communications department, Mike McQueen, uh, rest in peace. He, uh, great guy, went to him and I told him, Professor McQueen, I want to get started in, in sports journalism. That's what I want to do. How can I take that next step while I'm here in school? And he's like, well, I'm going to put you in contact with Bill Van Smith over at the Miami Herald. Go talk to him. Talk to him. Bill told me, look, I don't have a full-time gig for you, but you can start freelancing, doing high school sports. Yes. And then I went back to McQueen. Hey, uh, Bill told me this and this. And he's like, great. He goes, how you would like, I mean, this is like the, the start of like online, like news, you know? Um, he goes, how are you, how are you with the online stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. Look, I have another buddy. They're looking for a sports guy online, Miami Herald online. Went over there, interviewed there, got a full-time gig. So I was going to school, working that, doing the high school sports. Yep. Then later on, I yep. made a connection because of that online one. Made a connection with WQAM, and right. then I, I was working the Ed Kaplan show in the first team okay. uh, back then. So come, you know, come graduation time, I remember talking to a guy that was in my class, and he goes, dude, how are you, like, doing all this? You know, I'm, I'm here, I go to school all the time, I've done this and this, I'm still working bartending over at TGI Fridays. And I go, did you, did you go see McQueen and ask him... You know, to help you find a job? No. No. Did you call anyone? Did you no. call the Miami Herald? No. Did you call no. the BQAM? No. no. I'll tell you what. It's like Yeah. And and that's how I that's how I build yeah. my career. And and that led to, you know, then from QAM no. working at Telemundo no. and so on and so on. But nothing's gonna be done if you just sit back and, Ar and wait for it. Armando, the, the the three character the characteristics that we're talking about that we've demonstrated that we show our face, stuff like that. It's low percentage, bro. Very. We're in the very low percentage there, bro. It's 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 we're in the extremely low percentage there. You you tell a kid now that they gotta go knock on JD Artiaga's office because oh, no. they don't have a play, they're gonna be intimidated by the stadium. They're gonna be no man. No. Listen, Amando, I remember that I had to grind through my anxiety to go knock on Danny Price's door, bro. Because I wasn't me, bro. Like, I don't like walking into big rooms at that age. I didn't like to walk in. If I walked into a classroom, there was already 30 people there. Everybody looks at you like I felt. Like, I didn't like that. You know what I mean? Bro, and I remember, like, walking in and walking out. I mean, like, all right, just go do it. Just go, but you know what, Mike? Let me interrupt. And I went and I went. That's clock, natural. Clock, clock. That's natural yeah. to feel that way. Yeah. And that's what a lot of kids don't understand. That's like, natural. Yeah. It's okay to feel like yeah. that. Work through it. Work through it. They'll just say, no, I don't feel like doing it. Right. And they're not going to go do it. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what? I you know what? Somebody grind through it, and I, I didn't like it. I didn't like that feeling. Knocking on the door, saying, "Okay, here we go." And I was like, "You can't turn back." Yeah, you're like. And then once you get breath. in there, you know yeah. your character, your personality, yeah. and then you know it's it's easy, right? You know. You know what? But, somebody told me once, and you know, and I, I don't know if people listening or or believers or not, but somebody told me once because I was like, "Man, you know, I'm anxious about this," and they go, "It's perfectly normal." Jesus had anxiety, and I'm yeah. like, you know, and you put that into perspective, and you're like, okay, Jesus had anxiety. I'm yeah. all right. Jesus, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, like, yes, it's it's normal. Like, you think I like, you know, going into people's uh, living room and telling them, like, hey, look, this is what you can get for your house. Is what? No, it, yeah. it's you know, it's it's a challenging situation. You're telling somebody that may not want to sell, like, here are some numbers. 
you know, I don't, I don't put pressure into them, but, but yeah, you got to put yourself in those situations because if not, it's, it's not going to go well. Yep. And, and Sean, you know, but before, before we go, because I know we've, we've gone for, for a bit, you know, and I, I know you got some, some stuff to take care of as well. Um, you and I, I guess we, we share a passion with this whole, uh, major league baseball hall of fame and, oh. and what, what goes into it ever since, uh, I remember being at QAM and working with Ed Kaplan, who's, a, who's still a good friend, and he's a big baseball guy. I don't know if you remember listening to him till the till the last game ends, uh, till like two something in the morning. Right. I was behind the board <laughs> for a lot of those games, but I remember every time the Baseball Hall of Fame voting came, I'm like, oh my god, here we go. You know, the baseball writers. I don't know, like Mike always says, something's got to change because I feel a lot of great guys are getting left out. I feel like some guys that as good a player as they were, maybe shouldn't be in. And then, like, some guys get in, and then you set that standard, and you're like, but how about Mattingly? Oh, no, it's because, well, you you have, you know, you have Kirby Puckett, similar numbers. Um, what's your take on, on, on the Hall of Fame? What should get done? And also, the steroid era. I, I think all these guys should get in. MLB pocketed a lot of money from these guys. And some of these guys, it's not like if... If, if Armando Alvarez, if Mike Quintana, if Sean Riggins would have done as much steroids as, you know, people assume Barry Bonds did, I still wouldn't be Barry Bonds. No, no. You know, it. Barry Bonds was possibly, if not one of the best, the, the best player, you know, yeah. of, of all time. And it, and it wasn't the steroids. And I, and I think a lot of guys that that get the privilege to to vote for the Hall of Fame don't get it. I don't think a lot of them even played baseball right. and, and swung a bat and, and know how difficult it is to make it, you know, from, from, from Braddock to FIU to, to the minors from St. Thomas to, to FIU to Indian River and then, like, to, you know, to, uh, to Tampa play. Bay. Right. No, it, it's, it's damn fucking hard, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that easy. But no, but because, oh, no. Sammy Sosa was all the Roy's. Oh, McGuire was all the Roy's. Bonds was all the Roy's. A Rod, who was a freaking prodigy in high school, everybody knew A Rod. That was yeah. in high school, number one pick, possibly the greatest player to ever play out of Miami Dade. And it, it's, and A, oh, a Rod just made it because yeah, of the Roy's. No, but it's it's the voting situation. It, it's not just the Roy problem I have with it. It's the problem that they're taking personal interviews that they did 15 years ago and you treated them bad and you didn't like them or you didn't do something <laughs> and then they're going to motherfuck you and they're not going to vote for you. That's what I have a problem with. Okay? They don't like the person. Yeah, like, Instead like of dude, looking at like, the body of work. Like, bro, like, Pete Rose, come on, guys. No, like, that's, that's come on, guys. Like, like. What about Gary Sheffield, you know what I mean? too? Like, yeah. a lot of the time, how doesn't Gary Sheffield, I yeah. mean, if you're a writer, if you're a fan I mean, Gary Sheffield, that guy stuck out in my head, and he was – I got to play against him too, but that guy was a monster. He was a great teammate. I mean, how does that guy – and there's not much conversation about him. You know, we've seen him pop up a little bit more now on, on some social media stuff, but if I'm Gary Sheffield sitting here, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, frust I'm frustrated. I, I think there's a couple flaws. I think, number one, the system is flawed with the way in which – like, what's the standard? No, no, there is no standard. Is there a standard? There's no, standard. no, there's no standard. So, to me, and I, and I uh, sound like a broken record, but going on, like what Deion Sanders said with the NFL, 
you're letting all these guys in. There should be an upper room, like one player per position. Like, who's the best guy? Because I was way better than that guy. I used to smoke that guy. I used to, like, where? So, like, you, you, we're getting to the point now in, and, and I agree with Armando. Is Ichiro a Hall of Famer? Right away, right? Yes, right? Right, right, yes. If you got to think about it, it's, if you got to think about it, if you got to say, like I did with a bunch of guys this week, show me the numbers, to me, he may be, he may be. But to me, I have to see. He's not. You know? On last week's episode, I, there was a few guys I threw at Mike, you know, like Gary Sheffield, yes. But I threw a few guys, and Mike hesitated, and I'm like, That's he's off no. the table. If it, they, you know, and, it's, and maybe it's not that easy because sometimes, you, you know, you forget, and you're like, man, you know, like it's not just, it's not just like pure, pure numbers and comparing this guy to this guy and this guy and this guy because there's some guys that, to me, are automatic Hall of Famers. And you Mike compare Trout. their numbers to... Mike f- Trout? Yes, 100%. Ichiro? Uh, 100%. You know, but, but look at the names we're talking about, though. Mariano, Derek. Yes. Like, those are guys you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guys that are getting in now, we're like... Uh, but, but there's some guys, like They're I saw, great players. No, no bashing. They're obviously the best in the world. But, man, like, I just feel like we've let some... Average to good players in the, in the Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame is not for average to good. The Hall of Fame is not for good to great. No, no, no. It's for the Hall of Fame players. Like, so, look, and, and you I know, know what I mean? agree with me or not, but, you know, because this guy was a great pitcher. I just don't think he's Hall of Fame level. I, I love the guy, Felix Hernandez. And, and look, Felix Hernandez, um, I saw somebody making an argument for him because he's going to be on the ballot for the first time next year. And then I go, okay, if Felix Hernandez gets in, Andy Pettit gets in. Oh no, but Andy Pettit, and I'm like, no, like you, Andy Pettit's a Hall of a uh, 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 World Series winner, yeah. you know, like you can't pitch in New York one one without the the other, you know. But there's some guys, oh no, but Andy Pettit, steroids, oh, you know, going back to that, you know, it may not be as easy as is is the inner not, and you just think about it. But but I remember Pete Rose saying, you know, when when they asked uh, Ken Rosenthal in front of him, and they go, Ken, if Pete Rose gets reinstated. Is he a Hall of Famer? And he goes, well, maybe not first ballot. And Pete Rose goes, no, what is this first ballot bullshit? <laughs> you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. Or you're, or you're not. not. Right, right, right. No, I agree. You know, one thing with Barry, too, that so when we were kids and we were growing up, any baseball game that you played didn't have Barry Bonds on it. And so a lot of people didn't don't understand still to this day why. Well, the reason why is because after Barry – got 10 years and playing 10 years in the big leagues. He was maxed out with, the, you know, his service, you know, his service time for right. pension purposes. Right. And so baseball did not want to back Barry Bonds on anything. So what he do, he left the players union. And so if you get a ball that's signed by Barry after 10 years, it's not going to have the little MLB hologram on it. It's going to actually say Barry Bonds, something like along those lines. I'm right. not sure exactly what it said. But so back then, Barry Bonds was not supported by the MLB. They, he wasn't. They kind of pushed him out. So when you see other guys that are being pushed out, to me it's very frustrating because of the fact of what they did for the game, the amount of time, the effort, you know, and, and the finances that those people brought into the game. And baseball was loving it at that yep. time loving it and then once 
you know, they, they stop playing. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And now, you know, they, they just they push you away. And to me, that that's the biggest thing. There's there, there's really no loyalty with that. When you're there, you're doing it for them. They're, you know, boosting you up. They're putting you on billboard, everything. But then you're, you're done playing. Now that you step outside and it's, you know, we don't want anything to do with them because of the controversy that, that brings, you know, that that brings along with it. And, and, it's, and to me, it's sad. It, it really is sad. Um, and, and the Hall of Fame is loaded up with cheaters. Oh, sorry. Oh, come, 100%. Up and down. We, um, and, and remember, it, cheating is cheating. It doesn't matter yeah, if it's. Yeah. Uh, you take one yeah. pill, or you're you're taking steroids yeah. for years. Yeah. Cheating is cheating. Yeah. Or or you did, or you cheated another way. Yeah. Like mm. how how the hell is Roger Clemens not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Probably the greatest pitcher I've ever seen. Yeah, okay. and and I commented this on your post the other day. Um, in those years, from Division One to the major leagues, fifty to seventy five percent of the players Easy. were juiced up. Easy. I mean, Cantigo told me 95. Right. Yeah, and, it's, it's huge. you know, like, I remember it's somebody huge. somebody telling me, and look, and I'm, you know, this isn't defamation. I'm not saying he did or, or didn't, but somebody said, oh, you know, but, but uh, you know, I was talking about um, somebody at first, I think I was talking about McGuire, and they're like, oh, but, you know, but Wally Joyner. And I go, do you know Wally Joyner personally? And they're like, no. And I'm like, how do you know he didn't roid? Yeah. How? Hey, I mean, um, ma- I'm, I'm, maybe he... Maybe hey. He didn't, but how do hey. you, how do you know? <laughs> Kevin Brown wasn't juiced up, right? Eric got Eric Gagne, probably Eric Gagne went from throwing a hundred to when after the whole testing thing he ended up, you know, dude, like, big like, big big poppy, you know what I mean? But big poppy, you know, oh, you're my oh, my guy, oh, you know, yeah. he he became a cartoon character. Yeah. Like my son Anderson has a baseball game for the Switch, right. and there's a cartoon big poppy on on the cover. The guy became, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm a Yankee fan, and and the. The guy's likable as shit. I mean, he you know, he he's a very likable guy, but just because he's likable, oh no, you you get you get a pass, you get but yeah, but Barry Bonds, yeah. oh no, a jerk, you know, the whole he, system's got to change. There's got to be a they got to clean it up. Eventually, there's going to be thousands of players in there. I would have loved to have seen Bonds going in with Jim Leland, especially after that <laughs> after that blow up. That dude, yeah. yes. the the voting for the Hall of Fame. What is it? The the writers get X amount of. It's the writers, correct? The writers are the ones that vote for the, for the current. Then right. once you're off the ballot after X amount of years, right. you go like to a veterans committee. Okay. And then every few years, there's a, another committee that's like an owner, a yeah, manager, a baseball player. And it goes kind of like, uh, um, it, it's, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's, like anonymous. Uh, it's anonymous. It's yeah. anonymous. But, so but Bonds didn't get in, right. in on, on that last one. And a lot of people thought... He will get forgiven because it's you know some of his peers, but that that peer that voted may not have liked Barry Bonds personally. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's so subjective, yeah. and it's not good. You know, I I see. Look, I made an argument, and I and I you know, I, and some people have told me, "No, Armando, you're wrong." And look, I may I may be wrong. I've made an argument for Omar Vizquel because Omar Vizquel was at, at, at for a big stretch was the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball. You think Ozzy Smith, after Ozzy Smith, I think Omar Vizquel. And, you know, and they're like, oh, no, because it's hitting. And I'm like, this is a Hall of Fame. Like, Ozzy Smith wasn't, you don't think, you don't put Ozzy Ozzy Smith and Tony Gwynn hitting in the same same, uh, argument. But But Ozzy Smith fielding was the freaking man, and he made the Hall of Fame. Why isn't Omar Omar Vizquel in? 
you know so popularity popularity contest just i just i just see that we keep opening the scope right. more rather than like kind of tightening narrowing up the it. scope and narrowing it down a little bit that that's my whole thing done. i just i just think that bro there's nothing wrong with having a great career and not making the hall of fame right. you don't have to feel bad for these At guys all. they made hundreds of millions of dollars they're living great lives right. they don't go into the league saying oh i'm gonna be all no it's just things that you know goals right but and and you open it up for disappointment too, many, too. I, I remember dawson um some many. years ago you know he, he was on the ballot whether you think he's a hall of famer or not he kept on inching up and getting there and missed it by like a handful of votes for like two or three years and then all of a sudden he got the call hey andre you're you're in congratulations and he goes you know what this call would have been great three years ago before my mother died and and i remember he said that and i was like holy shit you know like and you know it, it's that that extension of like oh you're not first ballot but you're 10th ballot yeah it's like what did, did andre dawson in those 10 years all of a sudden you know yeah. come back to baseball and become better no right. he was doing the same yeah. shit yeah. he just decided not to vote for him you know i get it you're like okay only like six guys could go in this year right. that's fine no. but you know, in the NFL too, with Zach Thomas kept yep. getting left yeah. off, yeah. and you're like, yeah. "Holy oh, crap! No. Did the did you guys watch Zach Thomas play?" Yeah, yeah. it wasn't until it's Tom wild. Brady wrote a, a love letter and saying, "Like, hey, buddy, yeah, right, right. Now this guy listen. needs to go in." Now they listen. Yeah. You know, with, like with the pitching and, and like the numbers portion of getting into the hall. You know, the benchmarks: 500 home runs, 300 wins as a pitcher. Well, now I don't think any pitcher is going to get near 300 wins just because of how the no game way. is structured nope. now nope. where, you know, you're not throwing as many innings and nope. you're not getting as deep into games. But so how do you dumb that? Like, what do you do? You know, how do you? Yeah, I don't know. What's 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 the, the baseline now for, okay, this guy is a Hall of Famer? Yeah, that's the you thing. Know? I think they got to figure that out, man, yeah. no. you know? I agree. So. Well, Sean, we're going to start wrapping up, but dude, this this has been it's great. Awesome, you know, man. it's yes. uh, aside from, you know, talking baseball and we, we love talking baseball, like your story, man. It's such an inspiration, you know, to, yeah. to kids listening out there. And I, and I think it's the right message to send because it's a process. And just because you don't see it at five and six years old, for God's sakes, you know, doesn't mean it's going to get there when you're 18, 20, 21, 22. I yep. agree. I really thank you guys for having me, man. This, this has been great. Sean, yes. awesome to see you. Yes. Thank man. you for thank having you. us. And thank you also to uh, Redline Weston. Yes. This is where Sean uh, works out with the boys. So if you're ever in the area, come on by. You want to come on by and check them out. And, you know, we're going to try to get them down south a little Let's bit. So thank Absolutely. you so much, man. No problem. Thank All right. You. Thank That's you, man. Great. And next week, great. we got episode 70, Mike. Can't wait. See ya. Take care.